We are happy to announce that this episode of the SW Show is partially brought to you by Humble Bundle. Well, not, not really. We are part of the Humble Bundle referral program, and we just wanted to say that if you like really cheap games and maybe helping charity pending the Humble thing going on, all you have to do is go to humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. That's right. Humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. And you just do your normal stuff and it just kind of helps us get a couple bucks here and there. Maybe it helps AJ go about his lights. Maybe it's my camera. Maybe we actually pay Corey for helping us out. But again, if you're going to go buy games anyway, it might be worth checking out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 58 of the SWW Show. That's right, we're closing in on 60. The other thing we're closing in on, uh, <laughs> we just hit our fifth anniversary. Well, um, well that's, 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 to, that's like five kids worth of time. Yeah, to, to little fanfare, um, if you hear water noises, we are recording this podcast live as we stream on a Wednesday night. Um, the stream is more or less the fifth year anniversary. It's off by a day, but close enough. Um, and so <laughs> we don't have much to talk about. There's some new stuff that we'll get to towards the end, but uh, we just wanted to go over like memories and highlights of the five, well, you and I have known each other for closer to eight years, but... Um, yeah, about, I'd be about that. Uh, do we just start at the beginning, I guess? So, so the year was 1996. Not that far back. Damn. The year was 2015, apparently. I thought yes. it was 2013 because I was still in college, but I guess it was my second year. Um, and, shit, I don't even remember. I think it was on Facebook. Correct. This sounds right. Um, I saw something advertised, and I was like, "Sure, like, I'll write about video games. Like, I like talking about video games to myself. Like, there were very few people in my high school that I played games with. Um, so you know, it wasn't anything like too crazy." Or, you know, kind of uh, earth-shattering in terms of, like, oh, hey, you're going to be doing this, and it's going to get me a job writing for games. I was like, in the worst case, right, like, I'll write, and then it's just, like, something I can add in my portfolio, which I ended up doing. <laughs> I ended up using some of those articles that I wrote um, in my in one of my writing portfolios. Um, and with that first project, Mike and I became good friends because we were similar in age. And age, location. Yeah, yeah, it was a kind of a... Age, location, storm. like, we were the two young guys of the group. Um, I think one of them might have been a little bit younger than us, but um, either way, mm -hmm. like it, it was super close in age, so it wasn't anything to... 
there was like a 10, maybe 15 year age gap between us and the next guys. Mm-hmm. And so we started doing a movie podcast. Mm-hmm. Not too dissimilar to what the movie section of the one Best thing you know is. the thing I missed from it was was we were able to do the weekly box office stuff and though we, we just can't because monthly box offices are inherently less fun. Oh yeah, we would do a weekly box office guessing. <laughs> um, funnily enough, I was on Twitter and uh, you know people will like draft movies, mm-hmm. and I'm like we kind of used to do that back on that show. We totally ranked the top three, or we thought them. I think we had yeah, we would, like, t- we would take guesses and things like that. Like, it wasn't too crazy. Like, we weren't going. Oh, hey, I won the box but in, office in this era. We totally could have like found like done it. Yeah. Um. And then, so that was pretty fun. We got to do. You got to do a press screen of. Captain America, I think it was Civil War. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was the first time I ever got to edit a recorded review. Like, So I was doing a video review. You did the voiceover for it, and I got to use all of the um, like press kit stuff. stuff. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, then we made the biggest regret in our lives and joined a D&D campaign. <laughs> there to was which... some fun in it. There was, I think, I think there was a large concept of fun and then I think there was a tiny bit of chaos. Scheduling's no. also inherently a problem. It's like yeah. one of the biggest problems. There was, I, I shit you not, I don't know if it's still up. I haven't kept in if, contact. Uh, if, if anyone oh. has them, it would be me. If anyone has those archives. There's an episode where I think it was three hours. <laughs> we started it at like four in I the afternoon. Know, you remember how I did it instead? So they were there three hours, like functionally from our end, but I did it in 40 minute chunks and I would actually cut in and like cut out the like dry space to like kind of speed it up. So, like, that three hour for us was probably two hours of the thing. But, like, that'd be, like, two or three episodes, at least, of stuff. But it was well, still, like, every few weeks. I distinctly remember there was an episode where, like, it normally would have been done, like, just before dinner. So I could have dinner with my family. <laughs> this episode, we did jack shit. I think it was three hours of literally two guys getting outfits. <laughs> and I sat there on mute on a, like, Google call. My mom came down at like 6.30 and was like, are you wrapping up? I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) I think we went for another hour and a half. And the DM literally like texted me or sent me a message. And he's like, I'm sorry. Like I should have been, you know, uh, a better DM and kept you involved and things like that. And I'm like, that moment. And the reason that I bring it up, right, is... That is the moment where I decided I wanted to do something else. Right? Like, I wanted to go and do a different project. And it just so happened that Mike was kind of in the same position. 
and I don't remember exactly how long it was between that episode and like when you left and then I left shortly thereafter. I was about to say within a year ish is my. I think it was within six months. Like it was pretty quick. Um. And like that that was so dysfunctional. Like literally, I had to get on a video call the day before Thanksgiving. I'm in Florida at a dinner. And the guy that's, like, running the thing is like, you need to be on this call or I'll, you know, I'll assume that you're done. And I told them, I told everyone, like, hey, I'm on vacation. So, like, I literally joined the call, mute myself, and I'm there out by the pool. And I'm just listening to this. Like, jack shit got done. Like, you know, surprise, surprise. Um... And I was just like, this is just ridiculous. Like, you're trying to hold in all hands the day before Thanksgiving. And you think it's, you know, like, people are just going to drop their plans for you. Um, you know, so that was kind of the uh, real turning point for me. And then the D&D thing happened. Um... We had an episode that we recorded where one of our guys broke an embargo. Oh my god, I forgot about that. And we're recording that, and we end the recording, like, ten seconds later, I go, we have to edit this, I have to edit this tonight, because you broke embargo. (laughs) He's like, I don't think I did, like, I'm pretty sure I didn't, and then I literally read the embargo out to him, like, we can't talk about this. (laughs) I don't even remember what it was, but, um... I was like, yeah, we can't be talking about that we played this game. At least not yet. That's uh, so good. And so, yeah, we, you know, you and I had this decision to go at, you know, leave and then mm-hmm. kind of stay out of it. It was like a couple months. Yeah, it was a good, a good time to change it between, I think, the full and the beginning. Well, I th- it was several months between us leaving and me going hey I kind of want to do something again like something small just you and I and we'll just you know figure it out that's how this was born yeah then that's how SWW was born obviously some might want to know what SWW stands for it's literally shit we watched like (laughs) I always joked you know, that I wanted something like a CNN, right? I wanted a three-letter network. Because that's how you know you made it in TV, is you have a three-letter network. And... So, yeah, that's literally what it means. SWW means shit we watched. Um, no no big meaning behind it. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we're now five years... Pretty much after that. I do have to ask, what was your favorite moment of the past five years? And it doesn't have to be just one, right? Like, I've got a couple. We did have Columbus, that was good. Yeah, uh, GDEX was inexperienced because, like, for me, I don't know about you, for me it was the first time... 
granted the group wasn't that big, but it was the first time speaking in front of a group of people that I had no idea who they were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, like every other public speaking engagement that I had done previous was either like school or I knew the people. Right. Um, so this is a very unique uh, opportunity for me. That's where we learned of Choco Taco, the streamer, who I believe is on kick <laughs> now, if I remember right. God, I did look me. into him, like, within the past year and a half. Remember, we were like, who is this guy? Yeah, we're literally sitting there going, like, who is Choco? And we're in the green room, and he's sitting with, there with, with like, the- he's in front of us, and he's got, like, two of his buddies... And it almost sounded like his friends didn't really know either. <laughs> um, God, it was so good. But then we found out he was like some streamer from the Chicagoland area. And, and, and you stared at me like, I should know who he is. Well, I didn't. I was just staring at you like, oh, this dude's a... Okay, I mean, too far, Big for and then, but then now we get stuff like all these VTubers down and we'll be like, who, who is this? Like, I mean, I don't have a problem with VTubers. I never really have because I think it's an interesting idea. Right? Like, but like, but we, anyone we know would be like, who's watching this? Oh, yeah. I, I would ask, why is anyone watching this? I think it's a very interesting, like, the idea of trying to be a VTuber is very interesting to me. Not that I would ever want to do it, but like, that's, you know, it's taking like BPD and monetizing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had Columbus. Columbus was good. Um, like that's the, like there's some other stuff. I think that kind of stands out always. Yeah. Um, that was the big one for like we did We did Extra Life in 2019. I like that one. Yeah, we did Extra Life. That was... Extra Life 2019 was really fun. Extra Life 21 or 22, whatever year that it was. Mm -hmm. Where I did two (laughs) 12-hour streams in back-to-back weeks because the company that I worked for wanted to do something too, like the week after Extra Life. I was like, good God. Like, good thing Battlefield dropped that day. So it could keep me busy. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the big stuff there. Um, trying to pull up. The big thing I want to say is obviously we have some highs, some lows. The thing I want to start with, when we think movie club, what, what to you stands out without looking? I want to pull up, up some highlights while we're doing that. Yeah. What you like a good that stands out that you remember and a bad that stands out? Um, I think a good that stands out is Fury Road. We did that when we were doing like the new and the old. Mm-hmm. Because when I first saw Fury Road, it was as just like a you know, fan of the movie. It wasn't, like, with a critical lens. And then I got to go back and watch it with a critical lens. And that movie just stands up. It's so good. Um, 
I think Dune is one of my favorites. Uh, worse though, White Boy Rick. Like, <laughs> it's so hard to not pick that. First off, there is one movie that's worse. I need to find the name of it. What was that movie? The one with the wives of the mobsters? Oh, I mean, that was <laughs> that was bad, but it felt like they knew it was going to be bad. Widows. Widows, yeah. Yeah, that was bad. They It felt like they may have known it was going to be bad, and they just kind of resigned themselves to that. Did you really think Steve McQueen thought it was going to be bad? I mean, it at least tried to have some fun at times. White Boy Rick was trying to be so serious. Um, yeah, that was by far my <laughs> least favorite one. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what other ones kind of stand out, kind of looking to me. Um, do you have any other ones that were like just so disgusting that we were like? I think, I think we at least had like. I feel like. The compliment of the movies we picked a lot of times were like, even if we were neutral on them, at least we were neutral on them. Yeah, we never really went into them going, we're not going to like this. Like, We always wanted to do it as, uh, we'd at least enjoy it. Mm -hmm. At the very least, we would enjoy the movies for Movie Club. Especially like during pandemic, and we kind of had to like be like, we just need anything. Well, in... When we were doing the watch-alongs, right? Like, we did that for Justice League. Mm-hmm. Snyder's Justice League cut. And, uh... Yeah, that was one where it was just like... We hated the first Justice League, because it, it just felt so dysfunctional. And you're like, okay, well, we'll give this one a chance, right? Because supposedly this helps fix a lot of stuff. And it kind of did, like, um, I'm not saying it was a masterpiece afterwards, but. Also, I want to point out, I found actually what I'm going to end this topic on, which is going to be my favorite episode of Movie Club that I forgot we did. What's that? The, the double Sonic episode, where we had to sit down and watch the, the 90s Sonic cartoon <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at least it was backed with, you know, the movie Sonic. That was Which was way better than we had any right for it to be. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest surprise, right? Like That, that or even Detective Pikachu, which I think is one of the ones we did, too. No, I don't think we did that. For did me. I just watch it on the... Okay, okay. Yeah. But no, like, that's fair. That once we did, yeah, I think that has to be the biggest surprise. Going the correct way. I think we had bigger surprises that were bad. But I think that was the biggest surprise of it being good. Yeah, White Boy Rick is the biggest surprise for being bad because the on cast paper. was kind of stacked. Yeah, like, on paper, it's a really good cast. Yeah. I think people behind it were good. The topic's interesting, like, legitimately. Yeah. Yeah, telling someone that that is a true story and then ruining it with the dumb shit that they did. Which is kind of sad. Yeah. See? But yeah, that's kind of... 
But yeah, this is our fifth, but we still got normal stuff to do too. Well, hold in. on, before we do this, okay. before we keep going. Terms of big stuff? Yeah, what's your favorite interview we've done? I like our girlfriend, Dragon Slumber, right? We've talked to Kevin a bunch. Yeah. Um, I think the one that I really liked, that was the one that got lost that you had to redo, which is when we talked to Behind Airborne Kingdom. And that was when I found out that he worked on, like, Mass Effect and stuff. But that was the one that you had to do the whole one. And that would turn out, somehow, you guys start with NASCAR for, like, 40 minutes or F1 for, like, 40 minutes of the interview. Oh, like, yeah, the dude's from, like, Toronto and lived yeah. in Montreal for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that was that a fun was... one. That was really fun because, like, okay, you worked on Mass Effect. Cool. What else did you do? <laughs> oh, you used to go to the IndyCar race in Toronto. That's awesome. I love IndyCar. And then he's like, where do you live? And I'm like, I live in Michigan. He's like, that's awesome. Like, you're super close. Yeah, that, that, and we just, like, broed out for, like, 40 minutes. So the one of the things I miss around early pandemic relating to all this is that there was this really weird ecosystem of VC funding. And this has a lot of self-funding indies at the time because they got laid off. And it was easy access to talk to these really cool people that we've kind of lost over the last few years just because, like, those studios become more developed. We're like, he was the only one where, like, you talk to be like, oh, yeah, we just left this studio or you heard these stories. Like, there was a bunch of those that era that, like, we talked to also because they were just brand new. Yeah. I mean, probably the one that, like, if I had to tell someone, like, hey, we got this interview, it's the golf story or no, what the golf yeah, 100%. 100% a great example of that. We landed the What the Golf interview, like... Was it the week before it was announced for Apple Arcade? It was, like, a week or two before, and it was, like, all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, that's way big. And then literally, you know, how big it would be. Like, at the time, I like, got oh, it's big, but, like, okay, there's 20 games here. And then it turned into, like, this VR game, like, with the car, like... No. You say that. The other one is Blaze Ball. The other one is I talked to them and it wasn't for Blaze Ball, it was for the Steam port of the other games, and I went, oh my god, I didn't even process their name. The Blaze Ball interview was fun because that was a video one. Um, and it's always fun to v- get video interviews if we can. It has to be the right person, I always say, and stuff to make it work. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, like, things because just video is so much harder. It is, but also, like, it's a way better connection. Mm hmm. Because, like, how many of those interviews uh, did I do where, like, I was literally in gym shorts and maybe a hoodie if I was wearing a shirt at all? Like. And that was with video on. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's big stuff for me. Um, let's jump to it. Uh, I'm formally done with Diablo 4. Uh, breaking point for me on this game. You ready? I am that, that second to final difficulty level. So the one, but I need to be like a few more actual levels to unlock the final one. And I have completed every dungeon in the game. Oh yeah, this, we were talking about this last week. So like, literally is to the point where, like I could reset the dungeons to re-level, but like, you see how that's inefficient and it seems like not a good balance system. Like, like... Yeah, I feel like I should be able to complete. Weird. I shouldn't be able to complete the content on the level before without reasonably getting to that level and probably above that level. Right? This is level seventy. If you said this tier of difficulty got me to level seventy-five and I was kind of capped, I get that. Right? Like there's some number. 
But, like, it should get me to that point for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think when you were telling me this last week, like, you know, I was like, dude, look at how Destiny handles it, right? Like, when Destiny still had levels, right? And I still kind of do in a way, mm. like, the light stuff is level-ish. Level light, if you will. Um, not as a joke, but, like, you know what I mean. Mm. Um, that, you were at the cap without having to do everything. Which made that game great, because you're like, okay, I'm not a fan of doing Crucible. Cool, mm. you don't have to do Crucible to hit the level cap. Or you're like, uh, you know, I love Crucible. Well, you could hit level cap in Crucible without really touching the story. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, you would have to do some of that stuff to, like, get better weapons, but also you were getting weapons through Crucible, so. Yeah, the fact that a game doesn't... doesn't let you progress... Well, like, it does, but you can see where, like, it becomes this level of teasing and repeating content. I go, there's no point for this content to be repeated, conceptually. Well, that's what I mean, right? Like, it doesn't let you progress without having to repeat content that you've already done. Right, it's not, like, for specific drops even, it's just for, because I need XP. Yeah. It would be different if it's like, hey, this, for example, Destiny, right? Like, this quest is, like almost guaranteed to get you this legendary weapon. Mm -hmm. Or and put in these systems of like, oh, now you run these X dungeons to get X things, right? Like, put in these systems, I think, are better. But yeah, it's going to be a big thing. Um, the other thing that I've been playing, which is, I think, the game I'm talking about right now, is Boulder's Gate 3. I am... 12 hours in the game? Do like that? Honestly, I think games need as hell. I think it does kind of what everyone's talking about this is for revival CRPGs. I like how it plays both kind of super well on the PC or if I use it in my Steam Deck, it eats the battery up, but it just plays super well. So it's going to be a really good like travel game, I think, for me. It has been interesting to see the discourse on that game change mm -hmm. as more people are hitting that Act 3. No, that's valid. Like, I'm not saying it's bug-free, but like... Yeah. It's not like they're fixing it. I think by the time I get to Act 3, it'll be fine. But it's also just like, like the first act is where I'm at still. And that's legitimately... I've had like some bugs where I have to like reload it. But like you reload it, it fixes it. And you can save it. And it's like not a true bug. It's like a combat bug. Right. Um. But like otherwise, it's been surprising. And if you think about like how intense this is and it's running on that Steam Deck, I'm really impressed with that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's cool, right? Like, it's always fun when nerd games work. Right, work and nerd well. games work. Yeah, and, like, they don't always hit. It reminds me of, like, how much, like, Skyrim hit, like, if you go back a little bit ten years ago, right? Like, like yeah, but broke. Skyrim wasn't a true nerd game. Right, like, it developed... A but the past ones were, and I think that's oh, that, too. Oh, yes, like, like, the original Elder Scrolls, like, the first three... Right. ...are... So nerdy, like that's what's wild. Like, sure, that one became that one became, but like, it's not like its roots aren't. 
So, like, going into it, it would be the same expectation. Or at least that was one of the complaints if you look at it, too, from a lot of people were like, it's not deep enough. What, you're telling me you don't want to load a house with 8,000 wheels of cheese? Hey, I don't have a problem with that one. I think I played that game. I played that game for like five hours. Oh, I have the platinum in it. I've done the whole shebang. I got to a certain point in that game where I was just like, I just... I don't care. Which, like, that's a huge thing for me. Like, mm -hmm. I'll play bad games, like, and you know this. Like, I'll play... I'll play games that do not deserve my time of day. Oh, we know. But if there's some fun there, I'm cool with it. And I'll enjoy it as much as I can. With Skyrim, I just remember being like... Frustrated once I hit the point of like, oh, your next thing is literally across the map. And I'm like, why isn't there something in between? Right. Put a big side quest, put something mm -hmm. in between where I'm at and the next main quest. The way that, you know, Fallout games kind of nailed it in a sense. Like, they, uh, they give you just ultimate, like, hey, this map has a shit ton of icons, and it's what makes Ubisoft games work. Like, Ubi games work because you're going from one thing to another. Mm-hmm. Right? You're constantly bouncing between missions and side quests, and to me, it's what made the original Sleeping Dogs work. Or, sorry, not Sleeping Dogs, Watch Dogs. Um, Watch Dogs was like, oh, I'm driving to the next main thing and oh the I forget CTOS scanner thing is like hey there's this crime that's gonna potentially start and you got to break some of that stuff up or you got to just merc dudes for f not fun but you know what I mean mm -hmm. um, so it was just like enjoyment there Whereas, yeah, Skyrim was just like, okay. Have fun walking across the map, because I don't know if I had my horse yet. It was not fun. But yeah. yeah. It's yeah, good to see, like I said, it's good to see these nerd games. Uh, uh, other thing with the Baldur's Gate, which I find interesting. So it's a, it's a free roam game, right? So you walk around, companions walk with you, happens. Out of combat, there's still a turn-based mode, which lets me kind of de-identify the, like, movement and stuff. So that's how you do stuff like stealth mechanics or sneaking around or kind of making people in certain positions when you're out of combat. So that way, kind of, they're separate if you want them out of combat, and they can be out of combat separately and all that, too, which I think is a very interesting kind of, like, D&D-ish. So if I put half my squad in one spot, half in the other, one could be in this turn-based mode, and the other could just be walking around the world and then eventually joining into the combat. Yeah. So there's a lot of interesting kind of systems there at play that I think are surprising how well they work. Even with the bugs that we found, like, yeah. they still work really well. And I think it's like as close to 
Plus, it's a CRPG, and it's as close to something you guys like, like semi games that we've gotten recently, kind of. So I will say it is funny to listen to um, Vinny on Nextlander just gush about the crazy stuff he's able to do in Baldur's Gate, and then Bailey from Fandom, who's been on Giant Bombcast uh, recently and is behind uh, Honest Game Trailers, be like, I lost six hours of game progress because I was trying to have sex with a bear, didn't realize that it was locked behind the thing because obviously they need it for the video. And then she's like, it's just, like, shit just breaks at times. And I'm like, that doesn't sound fun. It does, but I feel like if as long as you're, like, doing saves normal like you would in any open world game, like, like, that's a you're being an idiot if it really breaks to that level, kind of. Like, how are you not doing something that triggers an autosave at some point? Well, I think part of it, too, was, like, the further she got in, like, the worse it was running. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those where it's just... It just took forever. So... Okay. We will see. Uh, it says, lastly, here that you have been playing Madden. That I have. Madden 24. Footballs. Um, I saw a review that summed it up perfectly. The on-the-field product is amazing. Um, I'm really looking forward to how they develop this tech from here on out. It's really, really cool. All of the other stuff is so broken, it's not even funny. Really? Yeah. You're just like, you're telling me it's been 30 some odd years and you still can't figure out like how to make a franchise season sim fast. Mm-hmm. Like, it still takes fucking forever to sim a season in franchise mode. Whereas, like, granted, they're spreadsheet games, but, like, the manager games, you know, football and hockey and basketball managers, it takes, like, a minute. Really? To sim a season. It's really fast. And I'm like, Mm. it's no different, right? It's just dice rolls in the background. And I was like, how does it seriously take you guys this long to do this when this game that's using the exact same tech, right? Like, when it comes down to it, it's all the same. In the back end there. Are able to do it and spit it out in such a short amount of time. It's just stupid. The uh, career mode took a huge step back. Um, because, you know, they used to have that long shot, like, Mm -hmm. uh, mode, where it's like, hey, you're playing a character, and the first one was way better, you know, than anything else they'd ever done, the first long shot, because it was, you are this quarterback, like, you know, they took a lot of the, uh, player um not freedom but 
a lot of the extra stuff that you could do. They took a lot of that out. Like, it was a pre-made uh, face, right? And hair and things like that. This is just... There's, like, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, corner, and linebacker, I believe, are the different career paths you can take. Um... Because it all ties into the 1v1 showdown mode. So it's like, that's your created player that you use in uh, showdown mode. And so you can kind of, you know, if you want to be able to kind of create space, maybe you want to be a running back or a wide receiver. Um... Otherwise, you're going to be a quarterback. And it's like, everyone's going to choose quarterback because the actual, like, playing the NFL football, not the showdown stuff, you want to be the quarterback because you're in every play. Right? Like, the fact that... Yeah, if you're in, like, special teams, like, I'm assuming you play, like, you really don't do much. Well, in, like, if you were a running back, depending on the offense, half to two-thirds of your plays, you could just be blocking Right, so you're just doing nothing. Um, same with wide receiver. Like, you can run the route every play. But, you know, even if you call for the ball, it, they won't always give it to you. So, I was like, I'm just going to choose quarterback because it's just easy. It's just easy to play. Um, the game's still super frustrating, though. So, yeah. Nice. But yeah, that is all of the games. So what we've seen, I'm going to start with you this time. Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit. Yes. That's not the Amazon one, which which no, I do not know which Jack Ryan this is. Chris Pine, uh, 2014... Directed by Kenneth Branagh, who's also the bad guy. Um, feels like they wanted to use this as a start of a potential franchise and didn't. Why do you think they didn't? I don't think it did very well at the box office. Which is crazy because Tom Clancy projects don't do that well, like money wise. But people love working on them. So, by the way, are you on the boat? Uh, no, I disconnected like a few minutes ago, and I was just kind of letting us talk for a minute. So, okay. Um, sorry to get you invited back in. Yeah, we need to do that. Um, but yeah, no, like interesting. But you know, it's a fa- but they always want all of those to be a franchises, right? Because like that seems like a it seems like a machine that is surprisingly not a good money machine. Like, I would expect it to be a better... Yeah, it's, it's kind of tough, right? Like, because... How do you monetize to the full extent something that is inherently violent, right? Like... Mm-hmm. The Tom Clancy stuff is obviously rah-rah America, which... Why that doesn't do better now, I have no idea. Um, considering about 53% of this country think we should have rah-rah America, uh, who is... 
currently awaiting trial in Georgia. Um, to run this country. Let me know your opinion on this. I, my problem is with the man, <laughs> not with the party. Um, <laughs> no, just like your subtlety of that one. Yeah, Go on. Yeah. Uh, you know, why it's not more successful. They should be making, like, movies out the essence. Obviously, now that Amazon owns the property, it's a little tough. Mm -hmm. Because you're limited to... Do they own the entire property or just the rights for their show? I believe it's the entire thing because they did... They did a movie with uh, Michael B. Jordan. Mmm, right, they did. Called Without Remorse. And it's a Tom Clancy project. And people just forget about it. Yeah. Um, which is kind of sad because it was not terrible. Um, which is saying a lot for Amazon movies. Um... Okay, so you know what? Amazon movies, I'm at least going to give a comment of they're really good at knowing when the film should go to theaters because that means it's at least they understand it's okay. And I go, okay, it's worth watching even if they're at home. Well, I think like, the more bad they ones, do they is don't. even the ones that, they, that go to theater, they're not... They're Amazon productions in the sense that they're the ones distributing it. Mm-hmm. Right. But not Amazon making. original movies kind of suck ass. Yeah, which is funny because Netflix isn't much better, but they're better. Uh, Netflix is only better because they know that they can't make complete and utter shit. Otherwise, people mm -hmm. will leave. Amazon realizes that they're Amazon. And what the fuck and, are you going to do? And everyone forgets they have the service anyway. Yeah. It's like everyone pays for Prime anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And Prime, like, sure, it like went up in price like two years ago, but it barely does compare to somehow everything else in the world, so. I mean, on a per month rate, Netflix still screws over people mm -hmm. when it does raises, um, which is incredible to me. Yeah. See? Um, the only thing I want to shout here is I saw the new Turtles movie in theaters. And I want to honestly say, and I'm not kidding, ignoring me as a Turtles person, one of the best films of the year, I think, legitimately, from both an animated point of view, where it probably should top that chart, or it's going to fight. I think it's going to fight Spider Verse, obviously, and Spider Verse probably win, but I actually don't know if I agree with it. And then. I think it tells a coherent story, does like the like family portions really well, and still treats itself as a comedy, which which like when you get darker with this type of property, his properties which I'm critiquing of, so I think they found a good balance of that. Also, that's good. And honestly, the art style I think is really cool, which I think when everyone's love of Spider Verse doesn't shouldn't shock anyone that it's similar art style. Yeah, I'm really worried that. Spider-Verse is going to create, like, people that think, oh, we can just use this art style and it's going to hit. Because then it's just going to get overplayed. Mm -hmm. And the but, worst but thing that I think I still think bad. legitimately it would take a while for that to happen just because, like, you're still going to have enough people on, like, the Pixar Dreamworks side of the fight who just won't give up. 
Or they'll try to like mix it and it wouldn't be the same. Well, Disney's gonna kill itself anyway. But I'm still waiting for the day where I'm assuming those animation departments merge at some point. Oh, I'm just talking more like their desire to be so woke that they're <laughs> too woke um, and killing off their franchises. Like We're down to 2014 level evaluation or something. Like a decade of like lost like anything from evaluation, which is wild. Yeah. And like that valuation was after they had acquired Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And was it just before the Warner Have deal? You... No, um Fox deal was in fifteen or sixteen. So it was before that. So yeah, it was just before the before Fox and probably pre or post Star Wars, like right on the verge. Yeah. That's like what the level we're down to. So, so like, and like they had Marvel, but Marvel is not the size it is now. Yeah, the first Avengers had just come out. So you're down to that point. All because, you know, Little Mermaid had to be self-reliant or whatever. I don't know what they're doing with that stuff. But. Yeah. Uh-huh. Let's jump to it. Start us out, AJ. It's time for strike check in. Uh, I'm gonna start us out with a little thing. The biggest news we had over the last month, that's it, is that basically at one point they all came to the table and the union felt like it was not a fair deal brought to them and it led to them walking out within 20 minutes of that negotiation. And that'd be objectively what happened, right? So they got in, one side thought it was an unfair deal, other side thought it was walks out and at this point that is where we are at legitimately with no new updates since the last time we talked i don't know if you have anything else to talk about within that uh nothing that i can freely talk about <laughs> i it's a lot of conjecture that i've hearing at this point like um you know people Friends of mine that are in that are like, well, looks like I am, you know, some of them are going back to school. Some of them are like, you know, one of them just said screw it and left, like, left Hollywood. They're not going to write like that anymore. Um, I think they're back in the Carolinas. Um, I haven't talked to them since they left, so I don't know. I can't remember if they went back home or if they uh, moved somewhere else, but... So, yeah. It is starting to impact those that maybe don't what have the ability to weather it. I guess. At what point do you think we're going to hit this content stoppage? Like, at this point, we still have some of the movie theaters announcing st stuff. We still have some of Netflix and Amazon, the streamers announcing stuff. But, like, at some point, they're going to have to stop announcing stuff that's going to come out. When do you think we're going to hit that point where, like, do you think it's six months enough Netflix just goes, we're out of stuff? Is that possible? Um, Netflix will just continue to buy comedy specials. 
because uh, those don't require writers and you know the comedians are going to record those anyway right so it's not like it's not like it's content that they uh, need to go create necessarily mm -hmm. um, it's much more of a with those like with a lot of the specials Netflix tries to censor uh, is not the right word but it kind of is um, control I guess what stuff makes it to the special um, which you know as an artist you don't like to see because you know especially in that case right like they're buying your special they're not they're not hiring you to do a special right you're already going to do that show they just want you to record it now and put it out so the fact that they think they can go in and um you know edit it to the sense of oh we're just going to pull jokes and segments out of your special like I want someone that does a Netflix special and their on stage time is just under an hour so Netflix can't cut anything because they're advertising an hour special mm. you know and it's like you're putting Netflix on the hot seat in terms of, uh, you know, hey, you're, if you under deliver, people are going to get pissed. So. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, that as is, far uh, as like scripted stuff, shit, dude, that's going to come in the next by the end of the year. Because even, like, God, all this is... It's insane to me, because, like... It's hard to tell. Like, I think there's some claws and deep. And so I can say this, because I'm not the person in the union, right? So looking from the outside. I think there are some clauses in the union side that I can at least understand where there's pushback from the studio side. And other stuff I go, okay, some of this is, like, the, like, how greedy is greedy type stuff. But the issue is, across the board, like... This is going to hurt so much more where the, I think the repercussions, I think no one's accounting for of like, what's this going to mean kind of long term of like, if there's so much backup, it's hard for new actors to get in the pipeline. So the ones that still need to play catch up work kind of, we can't do actors then to like upgrade over time. Like all this stuff kind of happens and you get a smaller pool happens. Like there's going to be a lot of long term stuff that's not great. Um, I mean, you will see a lot of indie projects making their way to more um, more sources, which I think is great. Mm -hmm. um, because indie projects should be able to do their thing. Um, you know, indie, indie movies is how we get, like, You know, take your pick of like 
what, like Mulholland Drive or um, shit, I mean, Reservoir Dogs. Right. I was like Tarantino. So Tarantino and Kevin Smith, you're about indie examples of like, you don't get those without those films. Yeah. So. And like that part I liked a lot. Obviously, it's like the Rise City stuff, kind of like small stuff. But like, I don't think there's enough of that funding going around. Then I think there's still those problems of like, like, if you do those, like, you only have one person who kind of has a name because then you can't afford the rest, or then can other people not make a living? Like, there's still a lot of seconds of those are the only films for funding. Well, and I think, like, uh, I believe it was Soderbergh. Directed an entire film shot on an iPhone over the course of, like, two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see more of that experimental filmmaking. So it's so much cheaper than actual cameras that you could just do yeah, it. Just, just true run and gun, like, um, you know, twenty eight days later esque, where we have forty minutes to get this shot. So, you know, we have to set everything up super quick. We have literally one take. And we got to nail it. So you spend more time rehearsing. You spend more time getting the blocking down. You spend more time, you know, with the focus pullers to make sure that everything is good. Right? Like, this is how people learn. You know, it's the best training for new people in filmmaking, right? Like, to be on a project that is on such a tight deadline, you learn how to do everything so much faster. You learn how to do, you know, hey, here's... here's how I need to set the camera up on the rig. You know, I need to learn how to do it because Jim, the AD... Or Jerry, you know, the main camera op is busy working on the mini cams or, you know, they're busy doing this or they're busy doing that. So you learn with a lot of firsthand experience and you can greatly benefit from that. You are correct. Okay. Uh, I want to show the first delay that we should have that realistically is probably because of this too is because of Dune is now being delayed to next year in March 24th, I believe, as this is loading. March 15th. So it's March 15th. Dune is now coming out, pulling out of my birthday into whatever the hell that is. But I think what I was hearing, there are rumors there was some ADR they wanted to do still. That's and the only thing that I could see, right? Like, because why else are they not like pushing, pushing it? Because they like always need like a week or two with these actors. I mean, they literally like they were starting their ad campaign for the movie, right? There were trailers already produced. Everything mm-hmm. was ready to go. So the only thing I can think is that because of the strike. They can't get ADR, or they can't get, um... It has to be something that's so low-lift. Like, even if it's, like, put Zendaya in front of a green screen for five minutes through some trailers and commercials for in front of a football game. Stuff like that. 
Yeah. Like the, the, that's why I think of, of like you need her for five minutes. It's fine. The next day we get her on a plane. She'll be here by noon. She'll out by two. Yeah. But we will see. Uh, after that, uh, we have inflation news for apparently every streaming service. But really, it is Disney Plus that stands out the most. It is rising twenty seven percent, going from ten ninety nine a month to thirteen ninety nine a month. For U.S. customers, and Hulu is going up 20% from $14.99 to $17.99 a month. I know we talk about Netflix starting this out, but Jesus Christ, how did Disney Plus do you think would go from the cheapest service out there to the top of the chain for costs now? I mean, think about it this way, right? Like we saw reports that Amazon was potentially in talks to buy ESPN. Right? So you're trying to tell me that Amazon wouldn't jump on jump on a deal where they can have all three services and have literally everything run through Amazon? Of course they would. Now, why is Disney doing this? Um, I think they're doing it to just balance it out, right? Like, does it suck? Yes. Was it expected? Yes. Yeah, it was expected. I don't think to this level. I think I looked at the number and that's higher than I thought. Um, I don't know if I was too surprised with the amount. More out of like, it was just coming in line with other streamers. Like everyone is catching up to or surpassing. So 15 was HBO. before, do you, think it, do you think it's now 20 to 25 is kind of that new base we can expect? Or I feel like 15 used to be that new baseline. Um, I will be curious to see what uh, like, where Max does it kind of stop at? Like, it's going to stop sooner or later. Like, this is the point we're holding at for a bit. Yeah. Like, wherever Max goes, I think is going to be the new ceiling, because they had always traditionally been the ceiling. Um, HBO had. Mm-hmm. So. That would be my guess. Whatever HBO decides to do is where the either ceiling or floor will be set. Mm-hmm. So, but now with them offering um, the different tiers, I think that changes up a little bit, so. You know, I think it's going to be very interesting. I also generally don't, like, this is, they're getting expensive. And what's interesting is we always talk about cable and the whole argument of, like, what's cheaper, more expensive. Basic cable packages start at like that 45 to 50 mark still. Yeah. If we get to two streamers being the same as cable, I really wonder if that pendulum ever switches back. Oh, I know people that are straight up like, this is the last year I'm doing whatever. Because I'm just going to get cable, it's cheaper. I'm like, yeah, it's cheaper because... Everyone's losing money to these streamers. 
So their solution is make cable cheap again. And then you're going to get screwed in two years anyway. So I guess it kind of doesn't really matter. It depends. Because like some of them, like Verizon, some of the phone companies now have cable plans that kind of mirror how their phone plans are structured. So they don't surprise Bell quite the same as like Comcast does, which at least I think would help that biggest pain point that cable provider would have of trying to recover. Yeah, I can see. For sure. We'll see. I, I just I'm very curious if this anything ever switches back. Yeah, I sent an invite by the way. Oh, I think it keeps rejecting him. Uh, give me a second on that one. Anyway, um, AW. Uh, we have AW and WWE news. First, easy stuff, AW, the Elite does renew with AW, just kind of shout out because there were some rumors going around that that might not happen. Uh, CM okay. Punk's... Any, anyone oh. that thought there was a snowball's chance in hell that the Elite didn't resign worked themselves so hard. <laughs> like, you're trying to tell me these guys would give up ultimate control right like they have with AEW you're trying to tell me they'll give that up just to get a payday no these guys aren't about paydays if they were they would have been in WWE a hell of a long time ago fair enough so, um, don't work yourself into a shoot brother the other thing I want to shout out for, just for AJ to laugh, is, I don't know if he knows, CM Punk is now suspended again from AEW, uh, corresponding with uh, another backstage fight right before pay-per-view. In a surprise to absolutely no one, the guy whose AEW tenure has literally been spent half either suspended or injured continues that trend. Mm hmm And in other news... A 40-something-year-old has the shallowest ego I've ever seen. <laughs> and lastly, we need to shout about AJ, the sad one that I figured you'd want to take the lead on. Uh, Which with one? With the death of both. I guess we'll go. I was thinking Bray Wyatt, but yeah, so we're going to both of them take the lead on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, shit, how do you... How do you tackle the death of a guy that you saw his entire career right like I saw his career from NXT I saw his career through WWE um shit man like uh Wyndham Rotunda was one of the genuinely like if I had to say someone like you have to check out what this guy's doing I think Wyndham's work as Bray Wyatt is one of maybe three or four. Then I'd be like, you have to see what this dude's doing. Um, he unfortunately passed due to some heart issues. Um, super sad story. I mean, it's never easy. Um... To see someone that's... He was 34, 35? 35, I believe. Super young. With a family and several kids. I believe it was two or three. Um, 
just, you know, your heart just gets ripped out from your chest because it's like, you know, we had it with Brody Lee, right? Like, I thought, I thought maybe, maybe there's a chance that we go a little bit without having to deal with this. And we went, what, a year and a half? Mm-hmm. And then to lose Terry Funk as well, like, one of the true innovators in wrestling. Like, major, major impact on too many people to, to even really, like, quantify his full impact on the business. Um, something we still feel, you know, every, every day, somebody in the business is doing something that Funkster started. And I really hope, um, you know, LA Knight had that kind of famous feud with Bray Wyatt. I really hope he leans more into that. Because if there's anyone that is God tier on the mic, it's Miz and LA Knight. And both of them just did battle with uh, Wyndham. He also got a feel for his brother. Right? Like, I think their dad passed within the past 10 years. IRS. Um life he passed fairly recently so it's like he lost his dad now he lost his brother it's it's gotta be rough never want to be in that guy's shoes so yeah okay I'll tell you what though dude there is a hell of a battle royale going on upstairs though like you think about all the guys now that could be in that rumble in the sky. Shit, we got, you know, Andre, you got Wyatt, you've got Funk, you've got Antonio Inoki. <laughs> like, you go down the list of the greats that, like, Roddy Piper. Um, I know people don't like his name, but Chris Benoit, like, You know, the, the talent that we have lost within the past 30 years is I genuinely think the business will never get talents like that again. Because mm-hmm. they were literally one of one. You know, nobody was doing it quite like they did. And you can't even, like, you can't replicate the fiend. Right? Like, you will never be able to get that again. The Fiend was a project from Bray that he took just by the balls, basically, and uh, made it his own and took off. And we got a $5,000 belt out of it, too. Mm-hmm. 
which is still my favorite thing on the store. I'm curious how many of those they sold. It's gonna be a lot, I feel like. Oh, especially now. Right, like... Just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have two trailers to talk about real fast. If you like either, uh, both Loki season two trailer dropped and today the Ferrari trailer dropped. The one that stands out to me, I think, is obviously Ferrari. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting kind of story, especially recently with us having, obviously, the um, Ford first Ferrari kind of stuff. Kind of like, well, I would be interested to see how different he is, too. Dude, they, they literally lucked into it. Ferrari just won the 24-hour Le Mans this year. Like, Ferrari is, other than their F1 team being absolute dog shit, Ferrari is sitting higher than they've probably ever sat. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely I think a, great. Uh, a great position for them to be in. And then, I know MCU isn't usually a thing. I generally think Loki season one was a great film, a great uh, TV show, and I'd be curious kind of Loki season two kind of can stand up to that. Especially because it seems like kind of its own thing in the MCU, so I'd be kind of curious this long away from since it came out. Yeah. So. We will see. Jumping to games. Let's start the one I thought was most interesting in our discussion of the Epic Game Store. Epic Game Store announced if you make your game exclusive on their platform for the first six months, during that time, it will be 100% rev share to you, which I think is a very interesting way to launch your game at low risk that... I'm very interested in why Epic's doing this. Like, six months is a good chunk of time, but, like, it seems like a pretty big cost or could be on Epic's end if a game actually blows up, too. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I mean, think about it this way, right? Like, they're doing this solely to get people that, you know, even though they get crazy splits on Epic already, like, Steam has kind of made it you know made it less of a oh yeah well I'm doing it just for the money like Steam has come down on their stuff too so you're like okay cool I can make money on Steam too the install base is a hundred times to a thousand times bigger than Epic's and as such I only need to sell you know, I need to be on the... What? Uh, I need to be on the front page for four hours instead of four mm. weeks. So. With this move, <laughs> I want somebody big to come at them and call their bluff. Right, like I want... Uh, would be a good example... Um, I want 2K to come with uh, NBA 2K and go, mm -hmm. all right, it's exclusive to the Epic Games Store, and we're taking all of the revenue because that's the deal. That would be interesting if someone does. And then, I mean... Like, 
There's still they would still get the tail revenue, but yeah, that'd be very interesting if. Yeah, what would that like? Would that work out? The, you know what though? It wouldn't cost Epic that much. It would cost them the amount to deliver the game. So we'd cost that at what? 50 cents a user? Yeah, probably. So, we'll say 10 million downloads. So it's a $5 million marketing stunt. Yeah, but it's a $5 million marketing stunt that you could lose out. No, no. So that's, that's potential revenue. Yes, you lose out on a ton. But if it's something revenue you were not getting either way, you weren't getting the revenue, so it didn't matter. You didn't lose it. And so it's a $5 million marketing stunt. $5 million for marketing stunt isn't that high when you consider stuff like Super Bowl commercial and it's stuff that you hear on other corporations doing. Yeah, from that standpoint, it's cheap. And imagine, now imagine, of those now gained 10 million users, 1% of them are brand new and stay on your platform. That's 100,000 users. Five at... Five more dollars, so it's a fifty. It's a fifty dollar per head, and like user acquisition. I mean, let's be real. People playing two K already play Fortnite, so. But like you say that, but I'm saying, what if you just gain enough new ones? Because there's gonna be someone new there. Like that's what you have to look at. What is the new head count at the end that you gain? That's potentially, but like sports games are the weird ones where people will play those and only those. So it doesn't really matter what platform they're on, per se. Just that they can get the game. Mm -hmm. And then they'll play that until the next one comes out. So, yeah, sports games would be kind of interesting to see them do that. Um, obviously, the best one would be to have, uh, have Rockstar call the bluff. GTA 6 exclusive to Epic for six months. All the revenue that they lose. <laughs> Again, if they weren't earning it anyway, they're not losing it. That's why I find it interesting. I though. mean, Rockstar is going to put that game out everywhere. Imagine the inverse world where they didn't. That's what I'm saying. Like, that'd be an interesting, like, a game that last time they didn't, and now they're getting it. Oh, uh, I think they learned with the debacle that is the Rockstar Games launcher that people don't care just as long as it's not RGL. They'll play yeah. that Epic. Like, you know, they don't, they don't care if it's Epic or Steam. They just, they want a launcher that works. Are you in? Nope. Alright, I'm inviting you now. <laughs> Keeps rejecting. Okay. So I hear it. At the same time, it's not showing me. Oh, there it is. I see it now. Except. Okay. Um. Yes. So yeah. But yeah, that's the big news there. Uh, MW3 is officially announced. So we know Modern Warfare 3 is coming. Doesn't shock anyone. Surprised absolutely no one. It's apparently just basically. It's interesting because Modern Warfare 3 is a remake of Modern Warfare 2 from last gen. Not confusing in the slightest. I will say, I was very intrigued to check out Modern Warfare 2 on PC. Partially because of that uh, Netherlands demo that they always showed. Mm -hmm. Where it was photorealistic. Like, to me... What did we just... Oh. Um, 
the strong points of this reboot are the missions where it looks like stuff from Live League. Mm. Right? Like, the, uh, the mission in London, right, where you invade the house at night. Um, like, that, that mission alone is enough to it was basically enough to get me to buy the game, right? Like, that was the one mission I was really looking forward to playing. Played it, and then played it again on Extreme with no HUD. And I was like, damn. If somebody... Somebody did it, I'm sure, but like, the first week of that game coming out, somebody could have recorded an Extreme playthrough, no HUD, no captions or anything, and uploaded that. And gotten people to think it was real footage. Mm-hmm. So, they do have those cool show pieces. That's about it for me. Like, there's really nothing else to those games. Because I don't care about, like, Warzone or uh, the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So, I want to shout out because we made a comment about it last week that was funny Star Citizen officially is crossing the 600 million dollar mark in fundraising and somehow still exists in the world the crazy thing is I was I forget what amount it was it might have been 300 million and there was an interview with Chris Robert the guy behind it and he's like you know Every dollar that we raise from Kickstarter, we're putting towards the game. And I'm like, how are you making a $300 million game? 600, you mean? Well, now it's 600, but... How? Like, I want this thing to come out one day, just so, like, the story can end. Like, I want to know how the book ends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, that's it there. Um, Sony has officially announced the PlayStation Remote Portable. I mean, thoughts on that? For $199, you can stream your PS5 to this device via a Wi-Fi or remote connection. Has to be 5 megabytes or more. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, 200 bucks seems high to me, though, for just what basically amounts to a screen. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm... I would think more like 100 to 150 would be an ideal price point. Yeah, that could be a great price point, like 150. Um. So. We will see how it does. It comes out later this year. Uh, thing I want to shout is officially that Turtles game we talked about a few months ago is real, announced by THQ Nordic. So TMT, The Last Running, is officially in development. It's being developed by Black Force Games, who recently did destroy all humans. I think it's going to be interesting. I did not hear good things about it. <laughs> but I think it's going to be interesting. It's the first, uh, basically, AAA-budgeted TMT game since, like, the GameCube era. So, I'd be curious kind of how it actually does in this era. It seems like we take 
uh, like budget games and license games more seriously than we did back then. So maybe we could do okay things with this. Maybe. So we will see at some point in the near future. And finally, sadly, Bioware has announced 50 people being laid off effective immediately. Uh, and they're basically discussing how Mass Effect is still in early development and they're working on the most recent Dragon Age. Oh, I was shocked when it was like effective immediately. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I guess depending on where the office is, if it was in Canada, I don't know if the Warren Act is a thing there. But it's like, I thought they needed notice. You know, I thought, like, and maybe it's small enough, like, maybe 50 people is small enough that the Warren Act doesn't apply. But... We will see. Uh, Alright, games coming out for the rest of the year. Starfield comes out as this comes out. It's finally happening. Reviews happen tomorrow as we're talking. Do that. How, what do you think it scores? What's your final guess? For Starfield? Mm-hmm. Uh... Eight, five, to nine. Okay. So I'm kind of feeling too, like, I don't think it's going to be a 10, but I, don't, I, I think they know that everything kind of rides on this. Yeah. So, we'll see. Mortal Kombat 1 comes out September 19th. People are having it in their hands. Looks like the footage keeps posting online. Looks like Mortal Kombat's as good as ever. Uh, we have Lies of P coming out soon on September 19th. Also, Payday 3, our game of the fall, coming out September 21st. AC Mirage comes out on October 5th. Spider-Man 2 comes out on October 20th. This is a stacked fall. Super Mario Bros. Wonder, October 20th. City Skylines, October 24th. MGS, Volume 1, October 24th. The Robocop game, which looks really cool, coming out November 2nd. MWV November 10th. And Avatar, Frontiers Pandora, Pandora, December 7th. Did you ever think that you would be excited about an Avatar game? No, not not in the slightest. But you kind of are, right? Like, I think it's gonna be interesting, especially if they do it like, like how close is it to Far Cry versus The Division from like a single player to not? How does the story work? How does it matter? Yeah. We'll see. Uh, and now it's time for Movie Club. This is a really weird month for movies, to say the least. You don't The say. biggest three I found, I'm not kidding you, are The Equalizer 3, <laughs> My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, or Expendables 4. Yes, those are the three biggest films of the month. The more coming up back to back is the most wild thing to me. Yeah. Which one stands out to you? Um, I think Equalizer. <laughs> Equalizer it is. Huh. 
Seven, like, you heard I just I just want to see the finale of that. Because, like, the first one was such a cool idea. The second one has a really great final combat mm -hmm. sequence. The fight on the cape while the hurricane's coming in. And I'm like, dude, like, they should have stopped it at two. They didn't need to make a third one. And it's out effect of the first, so everyone go check it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that is it. Uh, everyone, go leave. Go enjoy your evening. Peace, love, and prosper. Something like that. The SW Show and all of its affiliate podcasts are podcast by me, Mike Maroney, and AJ Losey, by sometimes by our contributors, including Corey King. You can follow the SWW Show on social media at the SWW Show, or sooner or later, you go to the patreon.com slash SWW to help us out. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.